This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. The Chrises are not here today, but you've got Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle with you on this Wednesday afternoon, presented by Progressive Insurance. Everyone wants to know what's going on with the Aaron Rodgers situation. Currently, he remains a Green Bay Packer, but for how long? That's anybody's guess. But, Nick, do not ask Packers president Mark Murphy about it because apparently, in spite of all of these random AF interviews he keeps giving, he did one at the Wisconsin Girls Basketball Tournament, the WIAA tournament, in the beginning of March. He also spoke at a tech summit and said that he was, quote, sworn to secrecy about the Rogers trade talks. Obviously, we have the draft coming up. Agency, it might be. Yeah, and you know, we've got no other news really going on. Now, we are, uh, I would love to tell you everything you want to know about Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, but uh, I've under <laughs> sworn secrecy not to say anything. Okay, that's a knee slapper. Oh, we don't have much going on around here in Green Bay right now. Ha 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 from like the crowd. First off, I don't know why these he keeps agreeing to do these random speaking engagements, but the whole we're sworn to secrecy angle doesn't seem so secret when you're going around talking at these things, not saying a whole lot of anything. Like maybe you could end up like being like trying to like negotiate everything like in the meantime, instead of going out to these conferences, wherever the heck this one was and, uh, you know, get some work done. Just say no, Courtney. <laughs> if you're Mark Murphy or you're an executive in a similar situation where there is national news about your team and, in this case, your player and Aaron Rodgers, just say no to the public-facing stuff at the moment because you know that's the only thing anybody wants to hear. They only want to discuss what's going on with Aaron Rodgers. So every time he goes to a girls' basketball tournament or a tech summit or wherever he may land next, just tell everybody that you're not going to do anything until this thing gets done, and everybody will understand, given the magnitude of what this will do for your organization. Frankly, I would lay low if I'm any member of the Packers front office right now in trying to get something done. It's that's got to be the most important thing because you want to move on. It's very clear that they are in a spot right now where Jordan Love gives them the best chance to have a clean slate, start over, enter uncharted territory for a team that's had quarterback stability for the better part of the last 30 or so years. Rebuilding is tough on its own right. Rebuilding in the midst of a circus is like that's all self-inflicted when it comes to the Green Bay Packers who could at this point of time in time execute the trade, move Aaron Rodgers off the books, have the Jets take on the bulk of his contract. And we know that they probably want more draft capital than what's apparently being offered. We know that 13th overall pick that the Jets have certainly would be great draft capital to have. But if you are the Jets taking on Aaron Rodgers' massive salary that comes with the 2023 season, you're probably looking at it and saying, I don't want to give up that much draft capital. It's not worth it because we're already paying him so much. And at some point, the Packers have to just say, okay, if you really want to move on from this from Green Bay, if you want to like cut the fat and you know move in a new direction, then go ahead and do it. Like Stop delaying thinking the offer is going to get better because at some point, the pot's not going to get any sweeter than it already is. So 
What we know right now is that Green Bay doesn't have to like up the ante or move any quicker than they're moving, which is at a snail's pace because the player option that Aaron Rodgers is owed, it's $58.3 million in 2023. That's not due until the start of the league year. So if they really wanted to drag this thing out. They very well could for another couple of months. They have that option on 39-year-old's contract. They don't need to exercise it until September. That's the holdup right now. But at some point, you've got to bite the bullet, more or less, and just get this thing done because there just doesn't feel the need to drag it out any further and for Mark Murphy to keep giving these inane (laughs) interviews where he says a lot without saying anything and says he's sworn to secrecy, can't talk about the Aaron Rodgers deal, then just go ahead and take yourself out of that situation and go get a deal done so you can end up talking about it and moving on and, you know, burying the hatchet between yourself and the quarterback who, you know, for the last couple of years they've fallen out with. Courtney, I swear it's got to be a prerequisite if you are a front office executive in pick the professional sports league to be able to talk in circles and be able to have all these interviews and be on a public stage or a radio show for 15, 20 minutes and not say anything. It is a gift. It is what you would expect from a politician (laughs) a lot of times, and you see it all the time in spots like this. But what I would ask you, having been in all these league circles and having had these discussions since we finally heard from Aaron Rodgers, what do you think it will take to ultimately get this deal done? The Packers conceding that they're not getting a first-round pick from the New York Jets. Take a two. Obviously, these things have to have conditions, too. He's He's 39 years old very much in the year-to-year part of his career. There needs to be some stipulations if you're the New York Jets setting up this trade compensation. Okay, we'll take on Rodgers and his massive salary, and we'll give you these picks in exchange for him so long as, and those picks would, you know, you would end up getting those picks in, in full, like saying it could be like a third that could become a second if Aaron Rodgers is on the roster third day of the league year in 2024, if Aaron Rodgers plays X amount of snaps. I mean, think about it in a, in a different way because there wasn't this sort of concern, but think about the pick that the Philadelphia Eagles got and how good that one looks based on the Carson Wentz trade. There were, mm-hmm. there were, was stipulation in that contract about he has to play X number of snaps for the Indianapolis Colts and what that pick would end up becoming for the Philadelphia Eagles, which is a much higher one that they ended up trading for uh, at the initial part of that trade when that trade was pulled off when Carson Wentz went from Philly to Indianapolis. So I would have stipulations like that. And at the end of the day, I would try to get it done sooner rather than later because they're in a process right now where they're rebuilding their roster. If you're going to turn the reins of this thing over to Jordan Love at some point, you're going to want Aaron Rodgers to be out of the picture. And it's no slight on Aaron Rodgers, but you got to know that there's one person in charge. You don't want to have a divided locker room. You don't want to put Jordan Love in a situation that's where he's not set up for success because he's having to worry and look over his shoulder about is Rodgers coming back, is he not? At the end of this, if this doesn't get worked out, the Green Bay Packers are the ones who are going to go down looking petty, really petty for this decision. They obviously are going to want something in return, 
hopefully the questions about that draft capital and the compensation, we'll get an answer on that at some point soon, so long as Mark Murphy stops going on the media tour where he can't say anything but says something all in the same (laughs) breath. (laughs) A little bit more news out of the NFL today. The New York Jets, a team that's trying to sign Aaron Rodgers, has signed McCole Hardman on a one-year deal reported by ESPN NFL insider Jeremy Fowler earlier today. And then about an hour after this happened, after the uh, after his contract was finalized, the Jets set the Jets sent Elijah Moore, receiver who has put many a trade request in with this team. Very clear he didn't want to be there. He sent they sent Moore in their 2023 third rounder, which is a 74th overall pick in this year's draft, to the Cleveland Browns in exchange for their second round pick. So now the Jets have two second round picks, which they can use as ammunition in this trade to get Aaron Rodgers. Maybe. This is one of the moves that they made that will all line up. And one of those picks, those second rounders, will go to the Green Bay Packers in exchange for Aaron Rodgers, hopefully sooner rather than later. But knowing this situation, knowing what's going on, probably later can be expected. Be sure to tune into an NBA doubleheader tonight as the Mavs host the Warriors, followed by Lakers at Suns, presented by Indeed. Coverage beginning 7 p.m. Eastern time on select ESPN radio stations. Smart. Dribbles to the top. Smart to the left. Finds Jalen Brown. He's been the hot man. Ducks in. Throws it down right-handed. Slithered through three kings like a Ferrari and threw it down with the right hand. 98-5, the Sports Hub on the call. The Boston Celtics beat the Sacramento Kings in what Nick predicted yesterday would be a very high-scoring game, 132-109, the final out in Sacramento. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle with you on Canty and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Might there be some trouble in paradise, though, for the core that makes up the Boston Celtics? Jalen Brown has told the ringer, quote, I don't know. As long as I'm needed, it's not up to me. We'll see how they feel about me over time and how I feel about them over time. Hopefully, whatever it is, it makes sense. But I will stay where I'm wanted. I will stay where I'm needed and treated correctly. That was Jalen Brown remaining noncommittal on his future in Boston. And, of course, this is a conversation, Nick, that came up last offseason after the Boston Celtics went to the NBA Finals against the Golden State Warriors. And I remember around the time that Kevin Durant's name was popping up as a potential player they could trade for after he put his trade request in with the Brooklyn Nets. Jalen Brown at the forefront of that. What does it mean for him? Does it mean they would eventually move on from him? What is your read on the Brown comments to the ringer remaining kind of up in the air about whether Boston's going to be home long term? It just shows once again, Courtney, that in the NBA, if you don't feel like you are the guy and very clearly on the Celtics, it's Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown is looking around going, all right. Where could I potentially go where I am the guy and I feel respected as the face of the team or the 1A of this team? And I go back to the summer that you mentioned. There was so much chatter about where will Kevin Durant land. Jalen Brown's name popped up in a lot of trade conversations. There was question as to whether or not he would be in Brooklyn, and I think This has happened repeatedly in the NBA. There is collateral damage, even if trade rumors pop up 
and players don't go anywhere, if a player, in Jalen Brown's case, feels slighted that he isn't as valued by a team as he thought he once was. And he's very calculated when he talks. Like, he's somebody who's very thoughtful. He thinks through answers. He's never said anything that has come across controversial because he just didn't think before he spoke. To me, these are calculated comments, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. This is someone who truly doesn't know if his future is going to be in Boston or if it's going to be somewhere else because you look at a team – where the Boston Celtics in their title window, how much more open is that window? How many more years can they contend for a championship with the way this roster is presently constructed? And does the front office like the way that this team is constructed? Is there a way that they might upgrade where Jalen Brown would end up finding his way somewhere else? Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, had this to say about Brown's comments we just read you and how open that window is for the Celtics to continue to win. The Celtics are going to take care of their business interest, and that's all he's saying. So he's prepared for anything, and I thought the comments were actually kind of refreshing because he was open and honest. As far as, you know, are there, is there window closing? Possibly with these two guys, but here's the thing. He's an asset one way or another. So if Jalen Brown isn't in a Celtics uniform, he's not walking out the door without compensation. Mm. Right? He'll be moved, and they're going to get back incredibly valuable assets, and they have a top-five player in the NBA on their roster. So that window isn't closing in terms of the Celtics competing for a title. So if they trade him, around the topic of trade conversations and teams that wear green, this seems like a good time to bring this up. If they trade him, what do they get for Jalen Brown? At this point of his career, multiple firsts? Multiple firsts. You would have to imagine, Courtney, that they would get a, a, a slew of young players as well. I mean, this is what every team wants. When you trade either a bona fide superstar or a young player who is still coming into his own who everyone believes could become that bona fide face of a franchise star. It's always the same. It's a boatload of first-round picks, and it's young, controllable assets who are already on deals that are usually team-friendly. So if Boston doesn't do it this year, maybe this all pops back up uh, and and certainly will into the conversation. But if you're Jalen Brown and you're Jason Tatum— You have to remember that you were a few turnovers away from winning the title last year. So as much as you can, push this away, try to win the title this year, and see what happens again over the summer. These are these are things that when they pop up, you know, when you're gearing up towards the playoffs, you got to wonder, like, is this something that is big enough to derail a team from where they are right now. You wouldn't think so because of the duo of Brown and Tatum and how formidable that group was in the postseason last year and how well they both played in the NBA Finals. And I'd argue to say that Jalen Brown had a better finals than Jason Tatum, who was dealing with that wrist, hand injury, whatever it was. The one thing that kind of like makes me go, hmm, are the comments that he made about Kevin Durant and Jason Tatum working out together during the offseason? Because at that time, there were some tweets. We know that athletes like to communicate, subtweeting their organizations, each other, whatnot, Instagram messages that are cryptic, tweets that are cryptic. And there was a time where we we're seeing that from Jay, from Jason Jalen Brown during the Kevin Durant rumor mill. Is he going to get traded from the Nets to Boston? And at that time, apparently, was when correct me if I'm wrong here. When Jalen, when Jason Tatum 
and Kevin Durant were working out together, which is something that he was asked about, Jalen Brown, that is. He said that they're friends, like they were working out together. He wasn't sure how to take that, though. And so that makes me wonder, like, was that, like, is that actually, like, a big thing, like his comments on those two working out together? Because it feels like if he didn't know the direction of the franchise, it doesn't help that your teammate is working out with somebody who very well could have been an idea to come in there to replace you. Courtney, everything is a thing in the NBA. (laughs) And you covered the league uh, a while, and I've been in it now about 15 years. And what I would tell anybody out there listening to us is players are so aware of what's going on. They're aware of all the chatter and all the tweets and all of the groupings in the summer and who works out with whom and where everybody is. So the fact that Jalen Brown in this case went on the record and said, hey, you know, I I thought about that, basically, that that is worth something. And I can remember being at the premiere of Kevin Durant's documentary over the summer about New York City point guards. There was Jason Tatum. And we're like, what, huh? What's Jason Tatum doing here? And this is still when... Durant's uh, trade request was out there. And so you're thinking, okay, where is the connection here? And he said he just wanted to support KD. But when you do that in the NBA, everybody knows that there is a perception part to all of this. And not that they can't be friends, but I didn't think they were like that close because we, the perception is you bring in Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant is a better version of Jason Tatum. So I just remember at the time thinking, how is this whole thing going to fit? Like, there's too many cooks, more or less. Something would have to go. That piece very well could have been, you know, Jalen Brown. Obviously, it wasn't. But now, where he stands on the organization and not saying, I'm here for life, I'm going to be a Boston Celtic. He's a very outspoken player. He's a very smart player in the way that he addresses things publicly. This one... There's, where there's smoke, there's usually fire, and this might actually have some tentacles to it. One that we'll keep an eye on is, you know, Boston's trying to lock up the two or the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Straight ahead, John Morant is expected to return tonight when the Grizzlies face off with the Rockets. We're going to head to Memphis for more on that after Nick tells you this about FanDuel. Courtney, basketball is heating up, and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com play to sign up. Make every moment more with FanDuel. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. 
Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Canty and Carlin, the podcast. Two and a half hours away from the Grizzlies taking on the Houston Rockets at home, expecting to see John Morant on the court for the first time since his eight-game suspension ended earlier this week. Kenny and Carlin, ESPN Radio, the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Friedle sitting in for the guys. Let's welcome in Mark Giannotto, co-host of Giannotto and Jeffrey on 92.9 ESPN in Memphis. And Mark, let's start with today. We know that Ja talked yesterday, and I do want to get into a little bit more of what he said. But from a basketball perspective, what kind of role do we expect for Ja Morant in his return? Like, has Taylor Jenkins said anything to the contrary where they don't expect to kind of ease him back into action? Well, it it sounds like he will be on some sort of minutes restrict. I don't know if restriction is the right word, but minutes. They'll be monitoring his minutes these first couple games back. Taylor Jenkins did mention the possibility of bringing him off the bench. Dylan Brooks said John Morant actually volunteered to come off the bench because the team's been playing well lately. Um, and Taylor Jenkins gave it some credence that it's been something they've been discussing. Uh, I would be still surprised if he came off the bench. wouldn't make a lot of sense to me because ultimately when this team's in the playoffs in a few weeks, you know, he's not going to be coming off the bench. So why bring him off the bench now? You can you can limit his minutes um, even as a starter. I guess the only the only I guess reasonable explanation would be maybe you know he feels like you know as a team he needs to earn his spot back so to speak because of what's happened here over the last few weeks. But so I expect he will play fewer minutes than usual. But and I guess there is a possibility he comes off the bench. But my guess, my hunch would be he still starts. Mark, there was so much made of Jaws' interview with Malika from a, a couple months ago where he said that I'm good in the West. The Grizzlies were so confident heading into the season that they could get through and get into the finals. As he comes back here tonight, and as you talk to people in the organization, do you believe that they think that's still a realistic expectation for this year? I think so, and I don't even know if it's because of how the Grizzlies are playing. I think it's how the rest of the West is shaken out. I mean, ultimately, they were in second place in the West when Ja went down. They're still in second. They were in third place, I think, in the West when he went down, and now they're in second place in the West. Um, It's so wide open that, you know, I I think if they can – you know, I think one aspect of this that's been very interesting is if you look at these nine games Ja has missed – Jaron Jackson Jr.'s offensive game has really gone to another level. He's had the ball more. And I think one of the keys will be how do they integrate that version of Jaron now that Jaw's back, and obviously Jaw's a ball-dominant player. But I think there's still realistic aspirations within the organization of 
being a team that comes out of the West. And I think it's partly because the West is so wide open, more so than they feel really confident about how they're playing. It's been kind of uneven since, you know, a little before the All-Star break, but it did feel like over these two, three weeks, Ja was out. Um, there was some stabilization. I mean, they went six and three without him, and they've won six of seven um, going into tonight's game. So uh, I still think there's a belief they can come out of the West. Um, that doesn't all, that doesn't mean necessarily Ja was right to say they're fine in the West like he did. Very clearly, they're in that pack of. You know, Denver's clearly, you know, the best team in the West right now. But they're in that – I feel like they're in that pack of two, three, four teams that can talk themselves into thinking they can come out of the West. Giannato and Jeffrey co-host Mark Giannato joining us here from 92.9 ESPN in Memphis. So yesterday, Josh speaks for the first time publicly after his eight-game suspension ended. He apologized to teammates and his family for, quote, a terrible decision. He said he was going to continue this ongoing process of counseling, touched a little bit on what he did in Florida, but didn't go into detail. But at the end, he says, I won't change for anybody. So there's a lot of confusion here by what he was saying and what at the end he ultimately decided upon to end that nine minute press conference what were your biggest takeaways just from hearing the apology which then he kind of walked back in a way yeah I I think he's at an interesting point because I think deep down like ultimately I, I believe him that the stress became a little too much and obviously he was coping with it in ways he probably shouldn't have but it's so hard to like determine if he's truly been changed from all this. Like, I, I personally believe we're going to see a a version of John Morant that's on the straight and narrow. He's not going to cause any problems the rest of the season. But, like, that doesn't necessarily mean he's been changed by all of this. Um, that That's something that's going to take months and years to really determine. Um, I, I thought he did fine. He's done fine the two times he's spoken, once with Jalen Rose and then yesterday uh, at the, the, the scrum, the big scrum at, at the uh, practice facility after practice. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think if you really ask John Morant, what he's sorry about is going on Instagram Live and making a fool of himself and costing himself a lot in terms of reputation and, and all that. I think, you know, he said even yesterday, like the other incidents that people have reported on, like he feels like when the quote, you know, as he put it, when the truth comes out and he can speak on it, he'll be vindicated in those cases. Like, I don't think necessarily he views it the same way something, you know, the media does. And then like, ultimately I, I think this whole thing has been, you know, it's, it is a, you know, he had a gun, and so it's a gun issue. And people have talked about maybe it's an alcohol issue, although he pushed back on that. It's, you know, he partied too much. Like, I think it's ultimately a 23-year-old who needed to grow up. A 23-year-old who came into, became a superstar after being a relative unknown in high school and even in college for the most part. And, you know, didn't know how to deal with it. And we're going to see if he's, you know, going to figure out how to deal with it. But, again, I think it's going to take some time for us to know that. But it's also not – I don't think it's as 
big a deal as some people have made it out to be. And that, you know, we see this a lot with a 23-year-old who just doesn't know how to handle this type of spotlight, doesn't realize the consequences of his actions when you're in this type of spotlight. And if he hasn't learned it from this episode, um, you know, he may never. But I think, you know, given what I've seen so far, you know, it's a good start so far. He, he seems to be saying most of the right things, um, even though it's not been, I guess, perfect. Yeah, actions will speak louder than words, as we know. And Ja, hopefully tonight returning to the floor in just under two and a half hours when the Memphis Grizzlies take on the Houston Rockets at home. First time we'll see him in a couple of weeks since the Instagram Live video that got him that eight-game suspension. He is Mark Giannato, co-host of Giannato and Jeffrey on 92.9 ESPN in Memphis, kind enough to join us here on Canty and Carlin. Mark, thanks so much for the time. Thank you, guys. All right. One team could really use some magic to change their current ownership situation. Which team are we talking about? We'll tell you next here in Candy and Carlin, ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. This is the Canty and Carlin podcast. The Washington Commanders could soon be up for sale. It's still owned right now by Dan and Tanya Snyder, a $5.6 billion investment, the Washington football team. But could they have a new owner who is a current Hall of Fame basketball player? This is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Courtney Cronin, Nick Ferdell with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. So according to a report from the Associated Press, Magic Johnson of Los Angeles Lakers fame, who was in the front office before stepping down, is going to join billionaire Josh Harris's bid to purchase the Washington Commanders. Harris owns the Philadelphia 76ers and the New Jersey Devils. And he currently owns a partial interest in the Dodgers, the Los Angeles FC, and the Los Angeles Sparks. So his portfolio is doing quite well, if you ask me. And adding an NFL team to the mix that's vested around you know, $5.6 billion would certainly help 
assets and help his overall net wealth. But we're not thinking about that. We're thinking about what's best for the Washington football team. And the amount of names, Nick, that have emerged in the conversation for ownership, whether it's Kevin Durant, Jeff Bezos, now Magic Johnson, getting his name thrown into the ring. I just frankly, I hope they hurry up and do whatever they need to do to get this thing sold, to get Dan Snyder out of the NFL. I think that's what everybody wants, but it will be, it'll be intriguing to see if an ownership group and if Magic Johnson, if they end up doing this kind of the way that the Denver Broncos did, where you've got multiple owners who have a say in all of this, depending upon how they structure it with majority and minority ownership remains to be seen. But I don't mind seeing his name attached to this potential bid for the Washington Commanders. When you see Magic's name appear at this point, Courtney, not only do you have the cachet of Magic Johnson, you've got a guy who knows how to run sports teams. He has been in and around the Lakers for years and years and years. He has a partial stake in the Dodgers and that ownership group. He's done unbelievable business deals uh, for a long time, especially in the L.A. area. But the fascinating part to me in all of this isn't that Magic's name has now appeared and we heard Bezos, as you mentioned. I talked to Kevin Durant about this a few months ago, how he wanted to get in, but he was laughing because I don't have Bezos' money. Jay-Z's supposed to be in that group. (laughs) There's this feeling now in all pro sports, but especially in the NFL, if you don't have mega, mega bucks, and we're starting to see this filter through in baseball with Steve Cohen, tie that together with our conversation about Shohei Otani. Who is going to spend half a billion dollars to potentially bring him to their team? It the, the through line with all of this is, the money that it takes to not only buy these teams now, but to run them at a high level is completely different than it was 15, 20 years ago, maybe even 10 years ago. Fans are smarter than they've been. They know what to expect. And if you want to win at the highest level, there are the days of being able to just land one star and hope that that star takes you to the promised land, they're gone. You have to build a team, and in order to build a team in this era, you've got to be willing to spend at the highest level, and there's a new era of owners that are coming in because of it. Remember a couple weeks ago when the NFLPA put out its report card for all 32 teams and you got to see what players voted on from the overall facilities, the strength and conditioning staff, training room, food in the facility, how their families are treated. Minnesota Vikings swept that thing. They got A marks across the board. They finished as the top team according to the NFLPA with that vote. Washington was one of the worst. I don't know if anybody had it worse than the Arizona Cardinals, who apparently make players pay for lunch in the cafeteria. It gets docked out of their paycheck. But Washington had several D and F marks on that on that report card. And that's when you talk about building a team – You have to spend not only on players and getting them in there, but you have to incentivize players more or less to come to work every day and to want to win, to want to be a part of that culture. And in doing so, it means you have to do things in a way that, you know, for the Washington Commanders has not been done maybe ever, if not dating back to like when they were last like actually good and relevant and had an owner that wasn't constantly under fire for allegations of sexual harassment, abuse and misconduct in the worst pl- in the workplace. Like Magic Johnson coming in 
if he is indeed going to follow through with this part of Josh Harris's ownership group bid, they were a group that also bid on the Denver Broncos, which ended up going to the Walton Penner group. And they have a bunch of very famous minority owners in that Lewis Hamilton, Condoleezza Rice, just to name a couple. I think the cachet of his name and the ability to put your money where your mouth is, not only to get fans excited about this team, but to get players excited about being in the building every day is a good place to start. It is a crucial part of any team building now. They need to know that you'll spend, but they need to know that the ownership group is always behind you financially, emotionally. And Courtney, if you get Magic Johnson in your building, you're in a really good place. All right, straight ahead, switching gears, back to the NBA. Should the Pelicans move on from Zion Williamson? We discuss next here, Kenny Carlin. Thanks for listening to the Canty and Carlin podcast. You can listen to the show live weekdays from 3 to 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Plus, you can listen on the ESPN app. Canty and Carlin, the podcast.